Welcome to I'd Rather Stay In with your hosts, Megan Myers and Steffi Predmore. This week, we're chatting with our guest, Crystal T, about what it's like to parent a gender-diverse child. Stay tuned. Do you love listening to I'd Rather Stay In and want to support the podcast? Well, now you can. Visit our website or the link in our Instagram profile and click Buy Me a Coffee or visit buymeacoffee.com slash podcast. For the price of a cup of coffee, you can help us cover the costs of creating this podcast. There are no monthly memberships, and you can support us at whatever level you like, whenever you like. Whether you buy us one coffee, many coffees, or simply continue listening as always, we're so grateful for your support. Hello, Megan. Hi, Steffi. How are you doing? I am good right before we hopped on to record my Yiddy order arrived. And so yes. I immediately had to put on the pants and they yes. are really comfy. I, so I did not order like any of the workout stuff. Um, I got the like uh, bralette, something like the, it's like the shapewear bralette and underwear mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, but then I also low key made the mistake of trying them on yesterday when I was like the most bloated from a period that I've ever been in my <laughs> entire life. Um, and so I was like, well, this was maybe not the day to try these things on. So I will probably try them on like tomorrow because I've already like less bloated today. Because I've been talking to my gynecologist about um, doing like a tubal ligation and maybe a uterine ablation and some things to like stop these stupid periods that are so awful for me and just all of the above and it's like my uterus heard me talking shit and was mm. like hey bitch, i will punish you i'm punishing you for talking about ending your period by giving you a really terrible one it like, is not enough that i'm gonna rip out your insides clawing the walls of your body Make exactly. It worse for you. I'm just gonna figure out all of the ways to make you miserable. So anyway, <laughs> all of that to say, I am excited to try mine back on when I'm like less bloated feeling. Yeah. The <laughs> pants I got—they're not workout pants. They're just like loungy pants. Ooh, oh yes. So because I was the like, ones I that have are like enough. buttery soft, right? Yes, they are. <gasps> they're very soft. Yeah, As and they're very stretchy and like. I'm excited to just keep wearing them. Uh, I might wear them to our parent meeting tonight. Who knows? I mean, I'm a classy lady. (laughs) Honestly, you should just let all these other soccer parents know what they're getting into straight out the gate. That is probably true. Just no, no, we're not even going to pretend at this point. We're done. Real low expectations. Okay, thanks. <laughs> also, I love how um, like lounging pants are always just like super stretchy as if you're going to be doing a lot of movement. Right. When really you're just going to be like spread eagled on <laughs> like your bed watching Netflix. Like that's like all. So I always appreciate that about a lounge pant where I'm like, I could do all of these movements, but instead I'm just going to get into really like funny positions while I watch TV. Right. Exactly. That's it. I love, I love this journey for us. Uh, (laughs) I, so I, speaking of movement, I have not been moving my body as much as I should because I like never do. Uh, and so I made myself a 30 day goal to move my body at least 15 minutes every day. Uh, 
And like, you know, we don't fuck with diet culture around here. So this is not about like losing weight or anything like that. This is just literally about I know that I feel better when I do mm-hmm. intentionally move my body. But I also am really bad at keeping up with goals like this. And I'm realizing it's because I never set them up right. So this time I made it super like a little loosey-goosey, but also not loosey-goosey. So like all I said was it has to be 15 minutes of intentional movement. It doesn't, but I didn't say what it has to be. So I'm not following a workout plan. I doesn't, it doesn't have to be like a workout. It could be 15 minutes of stretching. It could be yoga. It could be going for a 15 minute walk around the block, whatever. And I built myself a chronic illness loophole that if I have a day where my body just does not want to cooperate and move because I know I'm going to have at least one day a month that I feel like that. Then on those days, I will do at least 10 minutes of meditation instead of movement. And so, I mean, I'm only like a week into this, but I've kept it up so far. And I told a couple of our friends about this. And without me asking them to, they both decided to make 30-day goals for themselves, not movement-related, but of things that they were wanting to do for their own, like, emotional and physical well-being so all three of us are working with the same 30 days we each have our slightly different goals and we're checking in with each other and encouraging each other and it's just really nice that's awesome that feels like so centering and weirdly productive even though it's not really meant to be like a productivity thing Yeah, like one of us is like her goal is to like craft for at least 15 minutes a day. Uh, Another one wants the end. The other one wants to get more sleep. And so she's got hers set as like getting enough sleep. And so she said like, I want to get X number of hours of sleep a night. So like all of our goals are really, really different. But we each chose something that we felt was like a thing that we've been wanting to do for our own like physical, emotional, mental well-being. So yeah, and it's nice that I've got like my buddies doing this with me and we can encourage each other and like check in and it's 30 days. Like I can do 30 days, I think. We'll see. Yeah. So anyway. Yeah. And I think that it's, it's funny with the stretching too, like I I think most people stretch somewhat, but if you do, like, intentional stretching, it just feels, like, so different. It does. It really does. Well, and, like, I found, like, a 15-minute, like, what did she call it? Like, a peace or calm or something, like, stretch uh, on the Peloton app. And it was, like, I did that before bed the other night, and it, Mm -hmm. it felt really nice. Like, Alex walked into the bedroom, and he's like... And I'm just like on the floor in this like weird contorted position. And he was like, <laughs> he just looked at me and I was like, I'm stretching. <laughs> he was like, okay. <laughs> he just like walked out. <laughs> Everyone but should I stretch more. so good. It, yes. It's so good for your body. Yeah. So. And know, helps you sleep. You so It does. It really does help you sleep more. And you can do it in your very comfy loungy bands. <laughs> Brought it all together. There you go. Look at me. Uh, So this week, we are returning to our series on parenting in America, where we talk to parents whose families fall outside of the, quote, norm about their parent, what their parenting experience is like in our society. Today, we're joined by Crystal T, a mom who's here to share what it's been like for her to raise a gender diverse child in our world. Welcome, Crystal. 
Thank you. Thank you both for having me. Thank you for being here today. Crystal, can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Yeah, um, I am a mom of two and um, I am a self-described in- indoors girl. I <laughs> love the great indoors. You're our type of people! <laughs> <laughs> yes, um, you know, I love books and uh, watching TV and um, doing art every once in a while um, with my iPad. Love that. And you are also kind of nerdy, and I love that about you very, very much. (laughs) I am very nerdy. I like various, like, niche things that um, I kind of like to dig deep every once in a while on a new topic and become a mini expert, and then I move on to something new. Do you know your Enneagram type? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think when I, well, I've done several Enneagram quizzes and it has been kind of an even split between one and six okay yeah that scans i can see that i can see that yeah <laughs> yeah because yeah, megan's a five and she definitely you could have like a little five wing go in there if you're a six get your uh, little your research deep dives mm-hmm. yeah that makes that makes sense uh so can you tell us a little bit about the early years of your parenting journey yeah i um they were hard. <laughs> I think that's probably for most people, but um, I didn't have a lot of family support uh, when I had my child, my first child, and we lived kind of in a remote area. So um, I took to blogging and started writing about my experiences just to get connections with other parents out there. Um, and. I think I was surprised by um, the intensity of the connection with your child and just how I think vulnerable (laughs) parenthood makes us. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think I went into parenthood thinking I knew what to do and how to do it and quickly discovered that I knew nothing. Or, or just much less than I did. And um, I didn't expect my child to teach me so much. Um, so it's been an interesting, I, and I think, you know, maybe this is where my Enneagram uh, number comes into play that um, I thought it would be great at it and that I would know what to do. And I don't like not knowing what to do um, and not being like, not understanding you know, what path we should take in every instance immediately. I want to be good at it immediately. What's um, that meme that's been that's, going around that's like, I hate that in order to become good at something, I have to be bad at it first or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> like, ah, yep. <laughs> yes. So, um, you know, that was difficult. And um, my daughter, I divorced my daughter's dad when she was about two. So, um that just, you know, it was a little chaotic in the early years, but, um, we kind of found our stride and things did get easier. Um, and then I started over again when I had my second child and learned that everything you learn with one child doesn't necessarily carry over (laughs) to to the next one. So true. (laughs) Megan Um, knows that well. (laughs) Yeah. It's crazy. And like, they're so different. They could not be more different. 
um, and just the thing, all the things I thought I had figured out, I had to relearn. So your oldest child identifies as trans. How old was she when she first expressed her gender diversity to you? And can you share how you digested that news as a parent? Yeah, um, she was 12. Uh, and it was um, the best, you know, she delivered the news while we were driving in the car, which seems to be where the things get confessed or I, I learned things about my, my kids. Um, and she just told me, mom, um, I, you know, sometimes people call me she, um, and that's okay. That's okay with me. We don't have to correct them. Um, and she, you know, just kind of testing the waters. And I said, okay, do you want me to call you she, or um, would you like me to use some other pronoun? And uh, she told me that she wanted to be called she. She didn't have a lot of words for, like, she didn't tell me I'm transgender. I'm, you know, it, it wasn't that way. It was just more subtle. Um, mm -hmm. and, and I asked some questions. I just tried to be curious and give her space to tell me. Um, and she didn't know, I think, a lot of the vocabulary. So I ended up buying a book. Um, called the ABCs of LGBT and said, hey, here's this book if you want to um, kind of look through it so that you can describe your experience, you know, more specifically, this might be helpful. Um, so it took her some time um, and how I digested it. I mean, I was surprised and not surprised. Um, I think from an early age, we thought, or I thought, you know, she's probably not going to be straight. <laughs> mm -hmm. Just the way that she connected with kids. She just wasn't a stereotypical boy at all. And um, she's very sensitive. And so there were some aspects about her that I think are more stereotypical feminine traits. Um, but I just wasn't sure. She She's a very unique person. So I kind of have found that um, she'll always surprise me with something new. Um, I, was, I was nervous because, you know, I'm very aware of a lot of the anti-trans and anti-LGBTQ rhetoric out there and unsure because it was another kind of journey and, and something we had to figure out together. Um, and I felt like I wasn't necessarily prepared for that, <laughs> but I don't think there's any, you know, necessarily any way to prepare for something that you haven't experienced yet. So um, I tried, I just, I did try to keep my kind of um, anxiety about it to myself because I didn't want to add to any difficulties she was having. Um, but it was, you know, not, I wasn't immediately great at being, you know, the parent of, <laughs> of a transgender child. I had to do some research and reading and practicing to get things right. How long ago was that, that she, uh, revealed this to you? 
Uh, four years ago now. Okay. So it's been some time now. Yeah. I'm sitting here getting emotional and I just, you know, said I was on my period. So everyone (laughs) take that for what it's worth. Uh, But I'm sitting here getting emotional thinking about how safe she has to feel with you to not only um, be able to come out to you, but to really just sort of like not even fully know the answer herself. Um, But, you know, I think that there's I've heard um, stories from a lot of my LGBTQ plus friends that like they didn't come out to their parents until they really like knew themselves what they were feeling or knew, you know, exactly how they identified or whatever it was so that they could say like, mom, dad, I'm gay, I'm bi, I'm trans, whatever. Um, And the fact that Jay felt so comfortable and safe to not even fully have the vocabulary and like fully know um, and to like explore that with you, I think... I mean, you know, I, I know that no parent is perfect and we all have things to do to work on. And you just said you had to do a lot of research and you certainly weren't the perfect parent of a trans child. But I think that is has to be a testament to you as a person and you as a mom that she had that felt safety with you. Like, I'm, I'm really like <laughs> in my feels about it over here. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. I mean... It was interesting, and we do have that kind of relationship where I kind of hear things from her first, and then I have to communicate it to her other parents, um, and that was definitely the case here where she talked to me first, and I said, well, do you want me to tell your other parents, or do you want to tell them? Um, and she wanted me to deliver the news so that people could start um, adjusting and using Uh, the right pronouns, but she was very clear in saying, I want them to know, but I don't want to have a philosophical discussion about it, Um, (laughs) which is hilarious for, you know, she was barely 12 and and telling me this. And um, I said, okay, that makes sense. And, And I think, you know, she is the type of kid that just really doesn't say something or tell me something until she's absolutely sure of it. Mm -hmm. Um, She wants to really think about things and make sure she gets it right before she reveals it to anybody else. So um, I think that makes it easier for me as a parent of just knowing like she's sure she knows she's been thinking about this for some time. Um, And I had asked her at the time, you know, how long have you known this about yourself? Um, and she said since she was about six years old and I, you know, that was kind of a sad moment for me of like, I thought I had been very inclusive and welcoming and trying to make, um, you know, everything safe for her so that she could be the person she was. But I kind of thought, well, it seems like I neglected to kind of let her know specifically that um, that there are all types of people and that trans people exist because she just didn't yeah. understand. She just knew I'm not a boy, but I don't know what I am. And then, you know, it took six years to find the words to kind of start to explore that more. Um, and so 
it's just interesting to me, you know, I, in like looking back, I could have been a little bit more um, explicit and, and had books and, you know, I got books later and I got books so that I could ensure that if I had a second child that that would happen with, that he would at least be able to tell me. But um, that, that would be one thing that I well, kind I of think look like back on. Even, so that would have been, you know, if she started to feel that way at, at six years old, that would have been 10 years ago. And I think mm-hmm. even just in the last five probably years I think there's been so many more uh LGBTQ affirming like children's books and picture books coming out mm-hmm. on the market and like being available and so I mean you know I think you don't know what you don't know but and also I, th- I think maybe like you know I have a two-year-old and so parents that have young kids like me I think we're we have more tools almost for some of this to just have these books in our libraries our home libraries from the time our kids are tiny because they exist and they're easy to find yeah mm-hmm. yeah definitely there's been a huge um flood of them and I and just I know more transgender people now I know trans yeah. adults and um people are more open about it um online so I follow various trans um, like influencers and it's so helpful to have access to that information um, because I just didn't really know anybody before and so it wasn't kind of on my radar to be thinking about because I mean I guess as parents you can't think about every single possibility <laughs> <laughs> I mean I want to <laughs> that's my personality is figure out like okay what could possibly happen create a plan for that but that's not how it works. And our therapists say. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Yes. That's why we need therapy. Right. Right. (laughs) So, I mean, we do as parents want to protect our kids and shield them in, in every way that we can, even though we know that's not always possible. Um, And you mentioned that how cruel our society can be to trans and gender diverse people in general, but especially kids. So what are some of the ways that you have worked to make Jay's transition easier? Um, I think the number one thing is finding her community. So um, we're lucky that we're in an area where there's a lot of like services and um, healthcare and um, this is like a known thing. It's not unusual. And so we were able to call, um, there's a gender clinic with our healthcare provider and they have a support group for um, like gender diverse uh, kids. They break it up kind of by age group. Um, so I could, you know, we got in there pretty quickly and that has been hugely helpful just connecting with her. Uh, connecting her with other kids going through the same things. Um, And I would recommend that um, in a heartbeat just because I think these kids feel like other, you know, often, Mm -hmm. you know, in a regular school environment, because I think, I think the statistic is, you know, like 1% of people are trans. So to find them, others that know what their experience is, is going to help with the mental health aspect. Um, And 
you know, I think it's helpful as a parent too to have a support group. And so some some places do. There's gender spectrum. They run um, support groups for parents who are navigating these things. And there are Facebook groups too um, that allow parents that are new to this journey to kind of work out their frustrations outside, frustrations or anxieties or um, anything that's coming up outside of, you know, their kid's presence so that they can um, figure things out without causing any additional distress to um, a person who's already like experienced marginalization. Yeah, I recently found out um, the parents group or mom's group, I guess, that was um, that I was a part of when I lived in Texas. They have a splinter group now that is specifically for uh, parents of trans kids. And um, I just thought that was so cool and so helpful for people who are there's so many people that are just coming into it and they they don't know what to do next. Yeah. And to have the people that have like walked that road before help them out is is really important. Yeah, the, I think the big group is Mama Bears, um, and they cover all kinds of things, but they have, uh, yeah, a subgroup for, uh, I think they have a couple ones, like one for LGBTQ in general, and then one specific to transgender kids uh, or parents of transgender kids. Um, so, so, yeah, it's helpful, um, and that's kind of like one thing I figured out through that you know, going that route and connecting with other parents who've already done this is um, when I had to make the change in pronouns, it's like not automatic often Mm -hmm. for people. It takes practice because it's kind of a reflex after, you know, years of using certain pronouns. So uh, I figured out, oh, you got to practice. You got to practice outside of um, talking to your kid Um, And you have to practice when people misgender them uh, to, you know, confront that and and correct them so that you can kind of prevent the harm. Because when trans people are misgendered, it can cause additional, like, emotional distress. And I want to prevent that as much as possible, especially for teen years when kids are so kind of vulnerable and extra emotional and trying to figure out who they are, it's helpful to have someone on their side doing those corrections for them. Right. As if the teen years aren't difficult enough when you feel like you're part of the in-group, if yeah. you like add, add all of the extra stuff like that, that's gotta be a lot. So I, I, and I, you know what, I think that, um, I think that that's, there's a lesson there for all parents in a way. Um, because I do often see parents like almost like working through their shit around their kids. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that you have to work through your shit separate of your kids and like before you can take it to them, like you have to work through your own personal stuff and all of those issues or whatever you're dealing with because otherwise you are, it is just going to project onto your kids. Like they're not, they're not stupid. They're going to pick it up. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think there's something to be said for showing them some of your vulnerability and some of the ways that like you're experiencing difficulty um, and being honest, but um, 
you also, it's a balance. You don't want to cause unintended harm and um, you want them to get the message above all that you support them and that, um, you know, even if it takes you some time to, to adjust, that they're the most important thing to you. Yeah, so. absolutely. So let's talk a little bit more about language. There's a variety of different terms and labels that someone can identify with, not to mention that many gender diverse folks find their pronouns change as their personal understanding of their gender changes. How have you helped Jada navigate this and how have you encouraged her as she explores her identity? Um, yeah, I think, well, the book that I bought was super helpful, the mm -hmm. um, ABCs of LGBT, and it helped me as well of understanding because there are so many terms that I had never even heard of um, that it really was great to get an understanding of that um, and, and know, I think one hang up I've noticed is some people conflate sexuality with gender and, mm. um, you know, that book or similar books really help break it down. Um, gender Spectrum, the website has good resources for also explaining um, both for yourself and for like family members, if you have to explain to family members who just aren't seeming to get it, uh, that's, that's very helpful. Um, and, you know, I, I do want to emphasize, yeah, it can change. You know, when she first came out to me, she said, you know, I'm, I'm not a boy, but I'm not sure I'm fully a girl. I might be somewhere in the middle. And then I think it, it kind of evolved a little bit like, I don't know, some days I feel like I have no gender and some days I feel like I am a girl. Um, and then now, you know, four years on, she's, she feels like, okay, I'm definitely a girl. That's how I identify. Um, and I, I think the other thing that I noticed that changed is she was very open about it when she first came out to me. She came out to me, then she went to school and kind of let people know, hey, I'm a girl, this is, these are my pronouns, this is how you know me now. And as time has gone by, and I think as she realizes some of the dangers that she uh, is in and, and you know, dealt with more people who aren't welcoming and aren't great about it, she has gotten more private. And, you know, maybe that's just a function, too, of being a teenager now. But, um, you know, I, I didn't expect kind of in those early days that I didn't that I needed to protect her privacy in that way. So I've had to mm -hmm. kind of go back and make changes like I went through all my social media posts um, and changed her pronouns. <laughs> <laughs> everything that was out there, you know, from years. And uh, because sometimes her friends found me on social media and I didn't want that to be the way that they discovered that she's trans. I wanted that to be mm -hmm. her story and her um, to be the one to tell them that. So there are different ways that I've come to see that I need to kind of make sure I'm not sharing anything that she wouldn't share herself and make sure that 
there's less to go back and fix as things change. For instance, there's school records. She has an IEP at school from the time she was eight, she had that. So mm -hmm. school records refer to her as he um, in the early days. And it's very hard to get those records changed, but um, there is a new law, at least in California, that says schools have to change their documentation if you request it. So I think that's moving further along in terms of realizing that we need to cover our tracks in terms of protecting student privacy and keeping them safe. Um, because, you know, she's expressed to me that if people know she's trans, they are more likely to misgender her. She's mm -hmm. had people use mm -hmm. the wrong pronouns. If they don't know she's trans and they only know her with she, her pronouns, then that doesn't happen. Um, so yeah, I've just been, had to learn to be extra careful and share it with trusted people um, and listen to her and follow her lead on all of that. Can we actually go ahead? I, I have this a little bit further down in the questions, but since you brought up the school system, I'd love to talk about navigating the education system as a parent of a trans child. Um, yeah. Like, I think I, I'd love to hear about um, navigating the education system and navigating the medical system, because those two systems, I think, are difficult to navigate anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. And I imagine that as a parent of a trans child, that just is compounded. Yeah. I mean... It's easier, I think it's easier than it ever has been before, right? Like, there are more conversations, people are way more aware that, that kids figure out that they're transgender and schools have to respond. Um, the tricky part is the, like I, I've looked at the student handbook and it clearly was written not as, um, intentionally exclusionary, but definitely written by people who believe or who are only considering um, girls and boys. So mm -hmm. kind of my approach has been to be a bit of an investigator, look at the school policies, look at the handbook, see where they are being very binary in their descriptions and their policies like, and ask those questions. I've written emails to superintendent. I've um, written emails to the school board and asked, what are your policies around transgender kids? How do you protect them from um, harassment at school? How do you protect their privacy if they are stealth and not sharing the fact that they're transgender? Um, are your forms and the way that you address um, parents, are those inclusive to kind of address, like are you using moms and dads? Because maybe there are people who don't go by mom and dad. Maybe there are people who, um, you know, there's just such a big variety, but people have not kind of made it a priority to update their existing like forms and policies 
to be inclusionary. So I, that's my recommendation to every parent, not just parents of trans kids. Like the more people who are asking these questions and examining these things, um, the, the faster we'll get more inclusive policies in schools. Um, other than that, it's, it's been surprisingly easy because I think for us, again, we're in an area where it's not unusual. Um, we have not had like any difficulties with regard to gender at school. Um, they said, you know, use whatever bathroom you want to use. And um, they had in, you know, one of my questions as she was going into middle school was PE, like locker rooms are pretty much separated by girls and boys. So, um, you know, she identifies as a girl, so it's pretty easy for her to just use the girl's locker room. And if she um, doesn't feel comfortable dressing in front of uh, other kids, then she can, they do have a private like um, room where anybody can use to get dressed. But that's another question that you have to ask because if your kid is continually going into school and everybody's being separated by boys and girls and they don't fit, what do you, you know, how does that make them feel as they have to do that again and again every day? So, yeah. Uh, they covered that uh, specific issue actually pretty well, I feel like, in um, the show Sex Education. Oh, yeah. I haven't seen that one. Um, oh, you have to watch you it. You should watch it. It's very good. Um, it's great. There are a few students that uh, they don't they don't explicitly say that any of them are trans, I believe, um, but they are non-binary and they do explain like, you know, they they show them being uncomfortable changing in the locker room. So they go into other places to change and then they have like a weird sex ed kind of class and then mm-hmm. the students are like well where am i supposed to go mm-hmm. what am i supposed to do so it's it's refreshing to show to that they're showing this on tv too i think mm-hmm. that like it's not just that it's happening out in the real world but having it as a reflection on media is so important to, i think i also yeah. get a lot of uh i also get a lot of videos on my tiktok feed from teachers who are trying really hard to be inclusive in their classrooms Um, either teachers who are trans or non-binary and talk about their experiences as trans or non-binary teachers who are out to their students so that Mm -hmm. their students can see like either you're not alone Um, and you know I I also have seen like uh, I saw a lot last year around this time of year, um, a lot of videos of teachers who would pass around like note cards to each of their students so that they could write down like, you know, this is my name, like this is, this is, you know, what name you have on your record, but this is my, the name that I go by. Uh, These are my pronouns. Yes, it's safe to share these pronouns with my friends and my parents like Mm -hmm. different information so that the teachers can know how to refer to their students um and make them feel safe while also keeping them safe like if they aren't out to their parents or something like that um and it it just gives me so much hope for the world yeah (laughs) like wow i love teachers and the fact that there are teachers out there who are working so hard to make their students feel safe like that's it's 
it makes you feel like, okay, the world isn't totally fucked. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's and it's helpful. And I've seen that too. Um, as she's grown older, there's definitely more of that, like teachers wanting to um, ask right off the bat, you know, what are your pronouns? Um, and as and teens like to explore things. So it could change, you know, sometimes kids try things on and they decide, you know, this actually isn't what fits me. Um, but I, that's one of my favorite sayings is like, there's no way out but through. Like, mm -hmm. I know people question, like, what if this is a phase? Um, it, you know, it could be, but you don't know until you're on the other side. So right. it doesn't help to deny it or, or question, just, you know, go with it as they figure themselves out and they'll get it figured out. They just need the space. Um, and that. yeah, it's, so yeah, schools, I mean, for us, again, it's been, it's been pretty easy, but going back to the sex education, that is definitely something that I recommend people ask about as well and see if they can get a preview of the curriculum. Um, I made the mistake of just, you know, saying, oh yeah, of course we want her to go through the sex education at the school and not understanding that it was completely um, demoralizing to her. She felt, um, she just felt so depressed going through that. And um, I saw the impact on her mental health and I um, wish that I would have opted her out. There are agencies out there um, that parents can go to that offer inclusive sex education for uh, LGBTQ kids. So that would have been a much better option than having her just go through that and feel like both ignored and um, just, it's a sensitive topic for her. So mm -hmm. she didn't have to go sure. through that. She could have been gotten it in a much um, more comfortable, welcoming, environment I think you make I think you like inadvertently brought up a really good point uh because typically when I think of people of parents opting their children out of sex ed I think of the ultra conservatives yes like, oh yes. my god my my kid's gonna learn that sex is a thing ah! right <laughs> um <laughs> but what a great point that like that's not the only case where you might want to opt your kid out of it. Uh, that you could be the complete opposite of an ultra conservative, and but you're actually protecting your, like you're actually protecting your kid. Yeah, yeah, and a lot of the sex ed are split up again between boys and girls. So mm -hmm. where do non-binary kids fit? How do they, you know, they're going to be forced into a group that they don't kind of jive with and that's going to make it that much more uncomfortable. And I'm, you know, I'm not trying to prevent my child from experiencing discomfort, but when it's something about that is like deeply personal and related to her identity, um, and that has such a huge impact on her mental health, I want to be very careful and very um, protective of that because the, you know, the like suicide rate with trans people is very high unfortunately yeah for sure so we talked a little bit about you know the education system and you mentioned that you that your 
your doctor's offices have been pretty good. Has there been anything as you've gone through the medical system that has been particularly challenging as a parent? Uh, Like, how has that that been? Um, Yeah, surprisingly easy for us in terms of once I figured out that our healthcare provider had a gender clinic and they kind of had everything ready to go, it was like one phone call, okay, we're gonna connect you with the gender therapist, we're gonna connect you with the medical team, here's the support group. Um, It was easy to gain access through our healthcare provider. The difficulty comes in with um, finding a a PCP that um, is gender inclusive and they're not all, you know, and in, in a lot of a lot of healthcare systems, you don't really get to pick who your doctor mm-hmm. is. So um, I've had to go and like ask for recommendations of like how do we find somebody who isn't going to forget constantly that you know that her like genitalia doesn't match her gender identity. So it's. Um, that part has just taken a little bit more work, but I think it's, you know, everybody needs to kind of research who they're gonna see, um, and it, that's not just a thing with gender. Um, yeah. And the other thing is that I think the medical system is set up for people who are either clearly male to female or female to male, so they're like, okay, if you're a transgender female, you get estrogen, and if you're a transgender male, you get testosterone. Now, there's people who are gender fluid and people who um, are concerned about rapid changes that hormones can bring, and um, the healthcare system isn't so good about those like gray areas and the nuance. Um, so you just need to be an advocate um, you know, for yourself or your kid of like, this is, you know, we want to follow her lead. She's not necessarily going to be in this like um, flow chart of like, okay, we're doing this, that, and the other because maybe mm-hmm. she's not fully ready for um, like to fully commit to estrogen. Mm-hmm. Right. And Especially as a teenager, you're dealing with so many other things already. Yeah. yeah. To add that onto it would. It just is another layer. Yeah. And I mean, I don't mean to say that, like, they just give you hormones because they absolutely do not. Right, right. But it's just they think they try to put you in a box, which is what, you know, any system does because they want to make things more efficient. And you need to remind them, hey, I'm a person and there's different options that I want to explore. So... Some people um, go on like a very low dose of hormones so that it's not this rapid change because I think anybody who's had like rapid body changes, like either rapid weight gain or loss or um, even like going through pregnancy and having that like quick change, it can be disorienting. Mm -hmm. And teens, I think, also experience that just going through puberty and realizing, oh my gosh, I don't know this body. I don't understand how it works, what's going on. Um, so adding in hormones as, as kids get older, like getting into the teen years, 
it's just as nerve-wracking as puberty is. And um, I think doctors forget that. They're like, oh, everybody goes through puberty. It's just a normal thing. But if you haven't yet and you're entering puberty and you have that additional kind of um, concern about like, what, you know, why is my puberty different than my peers, then, then it just takes a little bit more care. Yeah. There's a reason why middle school is like the worst years of yeah. life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. For anyone. <laughs> what do you wish more people understood about parenting gender diverse kids? Um, I think that it's not something, like I don't think about her gender all the time. It isn't the focus of our day to day. We, you know, that is the least interesting part of my child. <laughs> um, and I think it's just, I wish people would understand that, like, it's a pretty mundane thing. Like, gender, I mean, some people really enjoy expressing their gender and talking about their gender, but some people just want to get on with their life and not have that be a focus. So, Sometimes I've, you know, talked to my daughter about gender and she's like, hey, you know what? I, I don't really want to talk about this. I don't want this to be a topic of conversation. Can we just talk about, you know, my favorite TV show? <laughs> so um, just understanding that, like, I've, I've heard some folks that have complained that, you know, why does it have to be in my face? Why is why is this person always have to point out their gender or their pronouns? And it's like they don't if you get it right and if you use their proper pronouns they most likely don't want to talk about it at all so that i think that's that's my that and just kind of correcting the mis, the the kind of myth that i see a lot um discussed online that hormones are just handed over to kids because they're not kids do not get hormones <laughs> <laughs> they're not candy yeah yeah gummy vitamins <laughs> i'm like yeah i mean for the most part medical anything prescription related is hard to get and right. um that includes hormones and so you know we didn't she didn't get hormones at 12 that's not how that goes she got um a puberty blocker while she was trying to figure out what her identity was and that was like for a short time. And then um, later on, we, we talked about hormones when she was puberty age. Um, and so that's something that people probably should, should learn more about of like, what is that trajectory? What does it look like? And understand that just like any other prescription, it's not just like, go pick it up at the store. It's, it's not gonna happen that way. Excellent point. Also, such a great point about, I think every teen deserves to just be like a normal teen sometimes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. They need to right? just figure out who they are outside of their gender, like, and not be, my cat has joined the podcast. I don't know if you can hear <laughs> the him. The cat has a lot to say. He does. He does. <laughs> it's funny because your cat actually sounds a little bit like Megan's old cat. And so I had this moment where I forgot that Rune had passed on. And I was like, hi, Rune. Wait, that's not Rune. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, he's he likes to sit under my desk and, and meow in meetings. So um, <laughs> we know how that goes. <laughs> 
but yeah, like, you know, kids still want to be kids. They want to do, and, and this is true of adults too, that are trans, like they have so many passions and things that make them them and gender is just like one small piece. Right. So you mentioned a couple resources before. Um, I'm going to link to the book that you mentioned in our yep. show notes. But what other resources would you recommend for parents of kids who are starting to express their gender diversity or maybe family members who want to support a gender diverse child that's in their life? Um, gender Spectrum is kind of my my first stop shop. They also offer um, like a gender support plan that you can use when you're having these discussions at school to make sure that school is on board with supporting your kid. Um, and they have scripts and things that you can use when you're announcing to family members. Um, so it's been super helpful. Um, awesome. Yeah, it's, it's great. And Facebook groups, there are a number of them. You do have to do some digging because they're trying to maintain privacy. And so they're mostly private, but Mama Bears has um, a really great one that's very active. <clears throat> so I would, um, yeah, I would recommend that. Um, there are various influencers that if you're just trying to figure out and understand more and like get used to now being part of the community, because, you know, as parents, we are interacting um, with that transgender community that, you know, for people who are new to that, it might take some getting used to or learning terminology. And there are lots of influencers out there that are helping people kind of understand and get comfortable. Um, one of them is Meg Amico Art. Um, and I can always send this to you too, so you could put it in the um, show notes. And there's another, um, excellent non-binary influencer who's been around for a while, um, named Jeffrey Marsh and oh, love Jeffrey. Oh my gosh. They are so like full of love and light and just, I just want, I want them to just narrate my life. Yeah. Their voice is so soothing to listen yeah. to. I love it. It's, it's just what they're so welcoming to every person who, um, you know, no matter where they're at in terms of understanding and knowing like the lingo or, um, and it just gives people kind of space. And so I, I highly recommend that they're also kind of like an, a motivational speaker and they have a book, um, that is geared toward that too. Um, and then, and then one other thing, I don't know the name of it, but I know there are several books that um, are kind of like workbooks for figuring out gender. And that can be helpful, helpful to teens, but it can also be helpful for parents who are kind of, I think there's a lot of people who just have never considered gender. They've never really thought critically about what it is to be like a woman or a man or, um, and they're just kind of thinking about that for the first time and being like, you know, well, what, how is this different for my kid? How is it different for me? Um, what does it mean to me? And I think it's great to kind of go through that process. Um, so that, you know, look up on, you know, Amazon or your favorite indie 
bookstore uh, a gender workbook. Love it. Crystal, thank you so much for coming on and being so open and sharing your story with us. This was, I, I really enjoyed our conversation. Um, and Thanks. I hope, I hope our listeners will too. Um, so thank you so much. And let's talk about what's bringing us joy this week. Crystal, what is something that is making you happy this week? Um, so my son started school. It's he, He's in second grade and he just went back and I was walking him into campus, which was uh, pretty cool in, in and of itself after the pandemic. We didn't get to enter campus really. So that's nice to step foot on campus, but they also have decorated his campus with fairy houses. So all over the school. Oh, it's, it's just adorable. Um, so they, kids can just go and like hang out by a fairy house if they want to pretend they're in a forest or, or something. So I, I kind of want to do that in my backyard or something. It would just imagine walking down the street and just seeing fairy houses randomly. I was just thinking like, can we put these like downtown Bloomington? Like this would be great. I'd love some just like little fairy houses just hit everywhere. Yes. Yes. I mean, it's kind of like in line with the little free libraries you see sometimes. I just love that like community um, spirit being spread about. So cute. I love that so much. Yeah, it's fun. So that's what's bringing me joy. Steffi, what's bringing you joy? Um, I ordered, I, I, Y'all, I fell prey to a Facebook ad again, <laughs> and I'm so, I'm so susceptible. Uh, and I ordered Edie and I matching sweatshirts. Mine has a slice of pizza on it, and hers has the whole pizza with the slice missing. <laughs> and they're just really fucking cute. <laughs> and I'm ready for cooler weather so we can wear them now. <laughs> Adorable. I, I pulled them out of the package and Alex just looked at me and he just shook his head. Like, <laughs> you know who you married. <laughs> I am who I am. I refuse to apologize. <laughs> Get it in now while she's still young. Yeah. Right now she likes, she likes to wear cute things and match with mom. So, you know, I'll wait for her to tell me that she doesn't want to anymore. And then I'll cry a little bit. But for now, we're the cute <laughs> things. Uh, Megan, how about you? Um, they finally released and I, uh, binged through the Sandman series on Netflix. Oh. And it is very good. If you are a graphic novel fan slash Neil Gaiman fan, um, they did a great job adapting it from the graphic novel. There's, like, scenes in the show that are, like, clearly they used the picture in the graphic novel to, like, set up the scene. I love um, that. Which, it, lo- it just, it looks great. It's beautiful. Um, I feel like it, it really captured the essence of the comic. Uh, there's one episode that's, like, really, really disgusting. Girl, <laughs> so, Steffi, if you want, like, skip through that one if you watch it, Steffi. Oh, okay, um, please make sure you tell me which episode it is. So then I'm like, oh, maybe I should watch this. <laughs> I don't I don't remember which number it is, but uh, it takes place in a, completely, like, in a diner. So if you get to that episode, just, just you just skip, skip through. that one. Okay, yeah. I've heard that. <laughs> it's not good for you. Um, Thank you. <laughs> but I thought it was really good, and... Uh, 
I've been a fan of his writing for a really long time, and I think this project was something that they've been working on for a really long time as well. Like, I think they've been trying to make a TV adaptation of it for a while, and um, I think, like, uh, I, I wouldn't say, like, technology, but, like, just, like, the culture wasn't there yet. You know, yeah. like, just all the, the ways that, the things that they needed to be able to do it justice, I think. Um, it's kind of all fell in place. And so, uh, yeah, I really liked it. It's got um, some great actors in it, too. I'm looking it up. We've got Gwendolyn Christie, Kirby mm-hmm. Hall-Baptiste, Patton Oswalt. Like, there's some, there's some great names in here. Yeah, it's got, uh, David Thewlis. Um, the person who plays the main character I had never heard of before. Uh, but he's great. He does a great job. Um, so... Yeah, I highly rec- recommend it to anyone who likes that sort of thing. And uh, especially because I just finished watching Outlander and I really needed to get that out of my brain. <laughs> it was a nice... <laughs> yeah. So we could do an entire episode of your thoughts on Outlander. <laughs> we do not have enough time to talk about my thoughts on Outlander. That is for damn sure. <laughs> I got all of the texts in real time. <laughs> It was it was a riot. Oh God! <laughs> uh, oh. Tangentially related to Outlander, I guess. Uh, next week we will be starting a two-week series on sex, beginning <laughs> with our own sex origin stories. So until then, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and follow us on social media at IRSI Podcast. You can also send us an email at I'd Rather Stay in Podcast at Gmail dot com. We'd love to hear from you. Bye. <laughs>